This is an ABC podcast. Before we start this week's show, I wanted to tell you about another RN podcast I've really been enjoying. Soul Search takes an inside-out look at spirituality and religion. It's a close-up on the lived experience of what we believe and how we believe it. It's presented by award-winning author and historian Meredith Lake, and you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, it's All in the Mind on RN. I'm Lynne Malcolm. Today, the social dreaming movement. Social dreaming, it is a methodology to explore the unconscious dimension of the social world. What our individual dreams can tell us about the broader social consciousness. It's a method whereby people share dreams with each other on the premise that dreams can tell you something about groups of people rather than just about the individual dreamer. So dreams might have information about what's happening in society or what's happening in your family or what might be happening in groups that you're part of. Social dreaming researcher David Patman and before that, Franco Fabini. You might remember seeing moving videos on social media after areas of Italy were locked down due to the COVID pandemic. People were leaning out their individual apartment windows alone, but creating a type of collective magic by singing together. And perhaps in the same way, we dream as individuals, but by sharing them with others, we can gain an insight into the hopes and anxieties of broader society. Franco Fubini is a psychotherapist, an organisational psychologist and a proponent of social dreaming based in northern Italy. Here she describes a dream-sharing meeting. I was running a monthly meeting, a social dreaming matrix in Torino, where I'm based during the winter, in January. And we did not know yet fully what the COVID was about. But looking back at the dreams as they were told, both in January and February, it was as though they were announcing that the big major catastrophe was going to hit. What sorts of images were people describing in their dreams? Well, there was an asteroid which was going to fall on Earth and create a big explosion. There were images that talked about something unexpected falling from the sky would hit the Earth and there would be uh, some kind of disaster. And there were dreams about losing control, like you're driving your car and you find yourself in the back seat and you are not driving anymore. Just to give you a few examples of um, the themes that were emerging in January when really we didn't know anything. And only looking back, you start to discover that there was a narrative through the months 
of dreams, obviously, because they do re- reflect what uh, our waking life is doing. And, uh, and uh, sometimes they do anticipate. And um, over the six months up to the summer, there's really been a development of how people were perceiving the COVID, the lockdown, the loss of the, you know, the social distancing, the loss of body. What was it like to meet on Zoom? Because from March onwards, we met uh, on Zoom. And so what are the effects uh, on people who now meet on small square <laughs> bits on the, on the computer? Franca Fabini, Chair of the Social Dreaming International Network. Susan Long is also part of this network and is Director of Research and Scholarship at the National Institute of Organisation Dynamics Australia, or NIOTA. She's co-editor with Julian Manley of Social Dreaming, Philosophy, Research, Theory and Practice. Social dreaming is when people come together to share their dreams and they make associations to the dreams and make connections between the dreams, but the dreams are not treated as if they were belong to the individual, if I can put it that way. The dreams are treated as if they belong to the system within which the group that are meeting belongs. That is the context for the social dreaming activity. So social dreaming means that we're trying to understand what is the social content in dreams, not the individual content as the Freudian method would have it and so people bring a dream and others associate to it and the associations are as important as the dreams. The concept of social dreaming was developed in the early 80s by the late organisational consultant Gordon Lawrence when he was at the Tavistock Institute of Human Relations in London. Susan Long worked with him. Gordon read a book by Charlotte Bratt called The Third Reich of Dreams. She was a psychoanalyst who collected the dreams of her patients and others during the Nazi regime. And she she started to analyse those dreams and said that it was a picture of a society in that totalitarian regime and what was happening to them and their feelings and thoughts during that time. And so that and a few other ideas that he'd had about dreams being important to understand society. That's when he developed social dreaming. He was just thinking about the idea that dreams weren't just a personal thing. And I remember he used to say Freud hijacked the idea of dreams for his own purposes, that the dreams belonged to the social group as well as to individuals. And he looked into some of the anthropological findings around, for example, American Indian tribes who used to use their dreams to know where to go hunting the next day, for example, and use their dreams to understand their tribes. And I've actually got interested now in the anticipatory nature of dreams, what dreams can tell us about our anticipations of the future. Gordon Lawrence studied and formulated the hypothesis that in the same way as during 
a psychoanalytic treatment, individual concerns could be illuminated by dreams, a social context could be illuminated by dreams in the same way. By now, the hypothesis has been confirmed. Dreams do reveal the context of the dreamers. So Gordon developed this, and then he developed the matrix and started to just run social dreaming matrices in different groups and different community settings around the world. And we've been running social dreaming matrices on and off in Australia since then. Susan Long refers to the matrix. This is the term used by social dreamers for the collection of people who meet to share their dreams. The matrix is linked to the idea of womb. Matrix is the place from which something grows. In a matrix, it's a kind of a reverie space. It's a space where you get into reverie about the dreams that you've had, share them and make associations to other people's dreams. So you don't actually face each other in the matrix in a circle. You sit in a formation similar to, say, a snowflake or something like that. And you're in your own little reverie space and yet you're with others. Psychologically, the space of a matrix is being by yourself with others, speaking your dreams, speaking your associations, speaking the connections that come to you. And usually in the matrix, there's people who write the dreams down and some of the associations, because after the matrix, we have a session where we try to make sense of what came out of it, which is more of a discussion sort of space. Susan Long. Since the COVID pandemic, the matrices have had to go online via a Zoom connection. And this has meant that they've been able to have people from all around the world. So the Social Dreaming International Network recently held a series of three matrices called Dreams of the Global Pandemia and Visions of the Future. Franca Fabini, who was based in Turin in northern Italy at the time, recalls some dreams people were sharing. By February, the awareness started to hit people and they knew that something was happening. But uh, Italy was not in lockdown yet. But there was, uh, for instance, uh, I, I remember that of the February matrix that one of the dreams was talking about being on a boat and you have to bear in mind that Italy talking about boats often means the refugees trying to land and uh, be welcomed and that has been part of the um, dreaming narrative for quite a long time because it's been a major point and the dream was of being on a boat and suddenly realizing that it was a boat full of Italians, not of Bangladeshi or African people trying to land. And in the dream, there was this sort of question mark, why are we on a boat trying to land and being pushed back? And then... During the associations to the various streams and to this one in particular, it was easily associated to the fact that Italy was the first going towards being in lockdown. And people in Europe, or at the time just before 
going back because I had this meeting of uh, the Matrix. I was in London and people were telling me, but why do you go back to Italy? They are mad. Why are they all closing down the borders? What, what is this? And it was interesting because at that point, people were looking at Italians as though they were overreacting and it was not safe to come to Italy. And it was very interesting that uh, one of the dreams really picked up very clearly that we are now locked at the borders, like the refugees had been for uh, a very long time in a very dramatic way. It was interesting as part of the narrative of COVID to realize that there was a development. There was an expected disaster in January. In February, it started to have something to do with the position that Italy had in relation to the other countries who did not want to travel to Italy and did not leave, let Italians cross the borders. And by March, we were all in lockdown. Most of Europe was in lockdown. But that gives you a bit of an idea that there has been definitely a narrative. And the the tentative, the fact that there's been so many matrices during that time, I think it's been also something to do with the fact that people didn't know what to do. We all didn't know in the middle of a social trauma what to do and what would be the outcome, the fear of death, the fear of contagion. And many people, even on the newspapers, started to address dreams as though, you know, some unconscious, unknown entity could give an answer. Franco Fubini, psychologist and chair of the Social Dreaming International Network. You're with All in the Mind on RN. I'm Lynn Malcolm. Today, we're exploring how individual dreams can have a collective resonance, the social dreaming movement. Susan Long also recalls some dreams that were shared in a Dreams of the Global Pandemia Matrix. One dream, I think it was one of the early dreams, saw a young niece emerge from a rotary clothes dryer, surprisingly unscathed. The dreamer said, this seems like a miracle. The niece came out of this dryer. An association by another participant was to a film called The Brand New Testament, which is a dark comedy by Jaco van Donnell, where God and his rebellious daughter, who's seen as the neutral Christ, move through a washing machine between the world and their apartment. Now here you've got two ideas, an idea expressed in a film that somebody remembers and an idea that comes from the dream. The emergence of a young girl from a dryer or washing machine, something like that, in the dream. And how does that uh, relate to the, the COVID environment, the backdrop? Well, it's not just the one dream. You have to look at the dreams throughout the whole matrix to see what's happening and we're at the moment we're sort of going through a process of analysis analyzing those dreams that went through that whole matrix but this dream had behind it religious overtones because the dreamer thinks of a miracle the association is about the new testament film and there were several dreams in the matrices that referred to religious elements And 
there were several dreams that related to mothers dying and fathers becoming irrelevant or abandoning. So there's a kind of a theme that runs through a lot of these dreams about being abandoned by a deity. Because in in the film, the daughter upsets her father by telling people when they're going to die rather than leaving that to God knowing. And so there's several themes around a religious theme about feeling that we're being deserted during this COVID time. And so were you able to draw some conclusions about how the COVID pandemic is affecting our society and the the level of fear and anxiety and perhaps mental health concerns? I don't know about conclusions. I mean, that's too early to sort of say lots of conclusions. But certainly a lot of the dreams were about dying people, about people who were dead contacting the dreamer, about sickness, about distortion, about anxiety and fear, wanting to run away, hide. There were a lot of anxiety dreams. There were very few hope dreams and often you get quite a few hopeful dreams, dreams about things that are going to happen that are really good in the future. There are very few dreams of hopes. They were mainly anxiety and fear dreams and wishing to escape. There were some dreams directly about the pandemic coming out of a house where there's been the closure and coming out into the open and feeling free and feeling like flying and being happy about being free. But many of the dreams were about death and anxiety. I don't know about how these might be seen as specific to this pandemic. It'll take quite a few of the different matrices to be analysed to look at that. Susan Long. I asked Franco Fabini how she thinks social dreaming meetings can help to inform what's happening in society and perhaps even to help people come to terms with what's happening in a collective sense. Well, for a start, which was basically the reason why in March I decided that we would meet anyway via Zoom, it was because the social distancing and the lockdown was very severe in Italy. It was definitely very, very tough. And particularly in the north, you know, places like Milan, Torino, where I was based, and it was tough. And um, my feeling was that it was places where people could meet, even if virtually, and think were very important to keep and to give voice And the fact, uh, and I received feedback over the months, that the fact that there were regular meetings of this kind was important because there were places where people could meet and think and uh, talk in a particular way about what uh, was going on. And is there a sense that generally the society has been affected, their mental health has been affected? Mm, I think so. I can talk about that both from the experience of social dreaming and what has been shared there and from my clinical work. What I've seen is that this collective trauma has reawakened 
even the past traumas like uh, and then obviously you come into therapy because you have your personal concern but as i see again a collective of patients even if they come individually i realize that each one of them has been touched and uh, it has reawakened some past trauma in some cases, or difficult personal situations that have been reawakened. And then you're, you're back to deal with that. I mean, at least that has been my experience over the last few months, that each one seemed to regress. So why do you think the content of dreams and the sharing of dreams reveals different things or gives different insights as opposed to just talking or having a conversation in a conscious way? The main points of social dreaming is that the important part is the dream, not the dreamer. So in a sense, you contribute with your dream, but nobody's interpreting anything. It's how one dream connects to another and then to another, and then maybe there are associations and then another dream emerges. The point is the connection amongst the dreams, revealing the net which connects all of us. Although in waking life, in daily life, we walk as though we are all separate. Being part of a matrix is something which reveals the deep connections that we have. I use often the, the image of the mycelium, the mushrooms, you see in the woodland, they seem all to be isolated, but in the real sense, they are all connected through the myceliums. And dreams and people are a bit like that. When you talk through the dreams within that context, you are more of an observer, giving voice to something which is a bit bigger than your personal ego. Franco Fabini uses social dreaming meetings in organisations as a way of addressing problematic group dynamics. It acts a bit like a diagnostic tool. Here's an example of when she was asked to use social dreaming in a workplace. Franco was called by the consultant of a mental health hospital department. They were um, in a building where they occupied two different uh, floors and in one floor, there were most of the nurses. And upstairs, there were the psychiatrists, social workers, psychologists, and so on. She said that she was working towards a way of restructuring the work with patients. And she had seen that this geographical division was not helpful. So Franca spent a day at the workplace, hearing the dreams of the staff. The first uh, dreams were all talking about being over flooded by water, by rain, by whatever. And there were dreams of meeting patients and not being able to do what they had to do. In the afternoon, from the dreams, uh, it came out uh, that there was also a third floor, which was the basement. And the basement was flooded as well, but it was flooded by something that you couldn't detect whether it was water or water with gas. And that was a bit of a turning point because they realized that there was something in the basement which was holding all the history of the department. 
And in the um, imagination, in the fantasy of the whole group, it was also where there were skeletons in the cupboard. And that was sort of uh, opening up something about the difficulties that they had in the present, carried from the past. So you open a whole area of um, conversations. And uh, and then there were more dreams and more uh, more work. And then uh, the last dream, which was told, the dreamer was uh, on a ray of sun at sunset, and she was sliding down towards the sea and landed safely. And also, I forgot to say that there were many dreams which were talking about. Uh, how to go from one place to another. And they were vertical. And none of them was easy. You were not just taking the stairs and going up and down. You had to jump, to fly, to crash, or something like that. Anyway, I don't know if it makes sense to you in the way in which I'm telling you. Yeah, so it really picked up the collective feeling of these two groups and what was separating them. Yes, and uh, after that, I see in that department, uh, not very often, but regularly, and it, it was the beginning of developing something else, some different line of work. So what do you think that the power of, of using social dreaming is in the future? It's a very good way to connect people and to have a meaningful conversation. It's a truly, in a deep sense, a democratic enterprise because you are not identified with your dream. I would say that it bypasses the limitation of the ego. And I think that even just the possibility to have conversations in this way is pretty good. I'm sure it's not just social dreaming. It is a research of how can people talk to each other without entering dead ends. Franco Fabini, psychoanalyst in northern Italy and chair of the Social Dreaming International Network. You know, there's some people that say dreams don't have meanings, they're just your brain going haywire which is absolutely crazy because we don't dream that haywire. We can usually find that the dream is something that is giving us a message. Psychoanalysis has discovered, and and I follow that too, discovered that the messages in dreams are important for our own understanding of ourselves and our own psychological health. But if we can also find the social meaning in dreams, that is the way in which dreams express a common experience, common fears and hopes, collective memories and collective anticipations. Once we can start to understand them, we can then help understand our collective mental health and what we have to do together. There's a guy called James Grotstein who talks about a dream being this fantastic production that occurs when you're asleep and he uses analogies as if it's a film production and he says look at your dream as if it's a fantastic production look what you've done 
creatively when you're asleep. You've been an actor in the dream. You've been a producer of the dream. You've been a director directing the action. You've been a set producer. You've produced lighting for the dream. You've produced text and a narrative for the dream. Look at all the things you've done as a dreamer. You've been so creative. And he talks about it being produced for a dream audience. And you are also the audience. And the audience of that dream then interprets it and makes sense of it for itself. And I think that the contexts that we're in, the organisations, the social contexts that we're in, are the dream audience. They call forward each of us creatively to make this internal play about what's going on. The audience is calling us to dream about what's going on in our lives. Susan Long, Director of Research and Scholarship at the National Institute of Organisation Dynamics Australia. She's co-editor with Julian Manley of the book Social Dreaming, Philosophy, Research, Theory and Practice. Thanks to All in the Mind's producer, Diane Dean, and to our sound engineer today, Hamish Camilleri. I'm Lynn Malcolm. Bye for now. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.